0: Hi, I'm Mandy Lern, And I'm Stephanie Keeley. Thank you for joining us for Women Who Work.
1: I've done a lot of work with understanding when I feel like I'm off and then understanding how I get back into alignment because a lot of times that the older I get, my values are what's guiding me, that impact. And if I don't feel that that's there... Then that's when the, the true problem solving, if you will, begins, because I need to understand what I need to do to get that back. If it was there before, then can I get it back?
2: Welcome to the Women Who Work podcast, where we discuss the essentials for leading in your life and career. Because as women who work, we just can't separate the two.
0: Thanks for being here with us. Whether you own your own business or making a big career move, or climbing that corporate ladder, you've got a place in this conversation. In this episode, we're talking about
2: career advancement, leveling up and pivoting over.
0: We've also got an interview with Carmen Moreno Rivera, president of Facilities Management Services. Let's dive in.
2: Okay, so today we're talking about career advancement, um, whether that means moving up the corporate ladder, um, moving around in your industry with the expectation of going forward or pivoting around. Um, we know that nothing in this world is constant, so that we we do need to be focusing in on what is next um, and really taking ownership of our careers. So, um, I think it's really interesting because in in so many ways, and certainly during this time of uncertainty, a lot of the advice has been um, just generally, like in your personal life, generally, it's like, you know, just kind of open yourself up to what's next. Um, Maybe don't be so focused on having to have one specific thing um, for your next move. Just be open to the universe. And that is typically my style. (laughs) Um, but when we think about our careers and especially as women, I mean, really anyone, but this is a podcast for women who work. So let's be real. This is what we're talking about. We have to have a strategy and now is the time to kind of get refocused on our career strategy. Um, and, and truly taking ownership of it like you would take ownership of anything else in your life
0: right and I think that you know what we've been through over the last two years you know women are leaving the are leaving the workplace. And one of the big reasons why they're leaving or leaving their current job is because they are having this internal conversation with themselves about what they actually want out of their career, which is good, which is exactly what we all should be doing at all along all of the points of our career. It's not just, oh, I'm ready to make a move or I'm happy or I want something different. You have got to be building your career strategy the entire length of your career. It's not yeah. something you do at pivotal moments. You need to be doing this and being strategic and intentional about creating and building the career that you want.
2: Yeah, Um, I, I, like I said, I think there are times when you can say I'm open to this and I'm saying yes to these things, but I wouldn't ever recommend that being in an indefinite stage. You know, if you're going to say, I am going to be open to the opportunities that arise and come knocking at my door, that should be part of your strategy. And there should be time limitations on that. And then When you get to the end of that experimental phase, then you need to start saying, "Okay, what things align with my core values? What things align with who I am, my passions, my purpose, and what is? How will I get there?" So, put down the goals and write out how you will be getting to those next places. But a lot of it starts with ourself and our self leadership, and that's a big piece
0: of of SOAR's um, curriculum, right, Mandy? Yeah, absolutely. It is because you've got to learn yourself before. You've got to know who you are before you can lead anybody, right? You've got to first lead yourself in both your professional and uh, personal lives. And it all goes back. I feel like we talk about this all the time, Stephanie. It always goes back to your core values and exploring what they are, defining what they are, and living through them with intention and purpose. And um, and you've really, when it comes to the self-leadership piece, look, this is not something that you're responsible for because it's your job or in your role. Nobody is pushing you to do this. You've got to do it on your own. And it does take time and it takes focus, but you've got to do it if you want to build the career that you're wanting to have. And I think, too, is another way to look at this is what is your vision? You know, we talk about building and casting a vision in terms of getting our teams on board, but what is your vision for yourself? So I think you should look at it that way. Like, what is your ultimate vision and what you want your career to look like? And a lot of times, sometimes it works. If you look at it going backwards, like where do you ultimately want to be and then work yourself backwards? Like at your retirement party, what is it? What people, what do you want people to say about you and your career and the type of leader that you were and, and then kind of work backwards from there? How do I get there?
2: What's the thing I'm looking to achieve in, in that rear view mirror lens? Um, Why is it important to me? or Mm -hmm. to the world, or to my community, and how do I get there? What are the steps I'm gonna take long-term and short-term?
0: Yep, Um, and another thing is, What is your leadership philosophy? I mean, do you even have a leadership philosophy? And that's something that uh, we go through in the SOAR program is every participant creates their leadership philosophy, because I hope that 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 is the grounding point and something that you can always go back to, just like your core values. If you need to get alignment again, if you need to get back on track again, go back to those two tools your values and your philosophy because sometimes we do get lost and that's okay right like Mm -hmm. when you're exploring your career career and growing in your career you sometimes you might take a wrong turn it might be a dead end Mm -hmm. you just got to get back on the path and I think a way to do that is you go back to what really makes you tick inside what um what we like to say what turns your lights on um what really is interesting to you in terms of work and you want to is it because you want to have an impact um is it just is it more technical because you want to explore a technical aspect of your industry um is it because you really like to lead people exactly and um also thinking about where
2: your skills match your passion. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm a big fan of assessments. I love a good personal assessment, a leadership assessment. I can tell you my disk, <laughs> my color, on um, What's your Enneagram? One all the way. Enneagram <laughs> one. Um, so I, I like those kinds of assessments, and y- you know, certainly we could recommend some of our favorites, but the reality is there are a ton out there doing them helps you, it reflects back like a mirror, the things that you probably know about yourself as being your right. strengths, but mm-hmm. just reminds you that, Hey, these are your strengths. These are the things you're really good at. Take hold of those strengths and match them up with, with your passions. And, and all of that, you know, all of this that we've just described should somehow fit within that career strategy and that intentionality around, direction of your career. Like you said, your career may change. You may be revising that strategy every five years. Um, I know I certainly
0: am revising my strategy today, right? As you should, because things change, things change. Like don't, and also don't get stuck on one path or one Avenue. You've got to be flexible. Yeah,
2: you, you do. But there's nothing wrong with having that strategy and putting that intentionality behind your career, just like you would a vacation, just <laughs> like you would your, your family calendar for the year, like be, be intentional. Think about it, put some work behind it um, because it is where we're spending most of our day and most of our brain power. Um, if you are working full-time, even part-time, Where however you're working, you're putting so much of yourself into it. And it deserves to have that same ownership that you put into other things.
0: For sure. Absolutely. Well, and I think as we're talking about this greater theme of self-leadership and your and your career strategy, especially when you are you are driving your career because you're very specific in what you want to accomplish the dirty a word comes up ambition. Oh gosh. Why, why? I, I, I feel like women need to take that word over again and redefine it for ourselves because I mean, I know the messaging I got around ambition growing up was so negative and I hate that. I hate that.
2: Yeah, there's definitely a connotation there to being ambitious, um, to being an ambitious, especially woman. Mm -hmm. Um, But this reminds me of a great conversation I listened to and a book that I'm definitely putting on my bookshelf um, with Shelley Archambault. Um, She was a Silicon Valley CEO Oh. And she is a black woman who at a very young age said she wanted to be a CEO. She set a goal. She has always been an ambitious woman and she wrote a book um called Unapologetically Ambitious. Nice. Yes. And so she described she said, you know, it's ridiculous to to put a negative connotation on the word ambitious, ambitious just means that there's something in the future you're aspiring to, right? Something you want to create or achieve or impact and you're working to it with intention, with intention. There's nothing wrong Mm. with that. And why should we apologize for being ambitious? We shouldn't. That's right. Nope. Nope.
0: I, you know, I do have, this is my theory on why ambitious being ambitious and women are negatively linked is because honestly, if you are ambitious in your career and what you want to accomplish in your work and life, that takes personal, you are control of yourself. And I think a lot of people still are uncomfortable with women having their own personal power I do. I really yeah. think that people are still very uncomfortable with that, that women yeah. can stand in their power and they're not quite ready for it. So what what do they do? They turn it into a negative and make us feel not worthy of that, which yeah. quite, honestly, it seems archaic. Is, but- yeah, it is. It is. Archaic. <laughs> yes. You got to get rid of the stigma.
2: Yeah. And, and get I get rid
0: of the stigma. I
2: think there's a little bit also, also archaic, but a little bit there around, um, ambition being negative because it takes away from that core family value that, mm, um, mm. that traditional family, um, image of yep. mom taking care of. The household and the people and the meals and all the things. And if you have career ambitions, you're likely going to have to put your career in front of some of those family activities at times. And I, I do think there's a bit of a stigma around that.
0: Um, Well, look at even how the media portrays ambitious women. We see it all the time. You know, we just came out of an election cycle. We see it all the time Mm -hmm. with women politicians, with women CEOs. They always get asked the question about, well, what about your family? Who's going to take care of them? Do you ever hear that same question being asked to men? no (laughs) no because it's just a given it's a given that he is married and his wife takes care of all of that
2: yeah and it's absurd that we're asking women that because Mm -hmm. you know what we're smart enough we've gotten our ducks in a row we've built our bench that's right we're at the point where we're running for a political office or are up to be ceo of an of a company then we have figured out how to manage our household as well. That's right. Better believe they are the ones figuring out how to manage that household because that's the reality of our
0: modern day. I mean, (laughs) and guess what? You don't have to be um, a political star or a CEO to know that you have a bench behind you. We do that. Majority of women do that anyway. So we're doing
2: it. So anyway, I, I agree with you. I think um being ambitious, go for it. Write, mm. write down your goals, set your set your sights um for your for your work and be ambitious, own that. I, yep. I mean, so as we're as we are being ambitious and and <laughs> setting our sights higher, um, you know, you might be looking to climb the corporate ladder or you might be looking to Um, go to the next level in your industry um, by switching companies or moving around, whatever that may be. But you certainly have to um, own that position and and own your credibility Mm -hmm. for the work you can do and the value you bring. Um, It is not easy to go out for promotions, to ask for the next level, but it is something that you should um,
0: do with intention. Yep, yeah. I feel like you're tiptoeing around the whole imposter syndrome here. Well, it's there.
2: <laughs> it is. It's there. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I would empower all of us to avoid it, but the reality is we're all going to feel it.
0: Yep. Well, and especially too, if you are in the position where we'll hear in just a little bit, uh, Carmen's interview where, where she has taken some really two big leaps across industries in her career. So she had to be very strategic in terms of how she did that um, and the transference of her skills. And you can't doubt yourself if you're doing that, right? Like you have to take a really hard look at what are the skills that you bring to the table that are outside your role.
2: So I'm glad what you brought up um, the idea of transferring skills over from your traditional job, what you've been doing to something totally new. And that is something, as you mentioned, um, we'll hear a whole lot about in, in the next section of this podcast with our discussion with Carmen. Um, but there is, you know, if you're not looking to go up, up and up, in your, um, company or in your specific area of, um, your work, you might be saying, Hey, I need to look somewhere totally different. You know, I feel like a big, I feel like something's nudging me to look around and to make a shift. And mm-hmm. we talk about this, we use the language of pivoting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be part of your career strategy, you know, a big pivot. Um, and again you should take ownership of what that looks like and um as you mentioned look at your skills how do you mm-hmm. how can you transfer your skills um how can you align your values and look to something completely new
0: right and i think that can seem daunting or overwhelming um just that idea of sitting down and writing, okay, what are my, what are my skill sets? What are my accomplishments? What have I done the previous X amount of years in my career? And that can be overwhelming, especially if you have to sit down and and revamp your resume. Ugh, like, ugh. (laughs) The worst. It is the worst. (laughs) I don't know why that is, because guess what? It's just a, it's a, it's a, an opportunity to brag all of, all, all on you, um, and again, I think maybe women have a harder time doing that, right? Yeah. Toot your own horn, um, but this is something. This is just a little kind of takeaway tool that I've used throughout my career that I've found really helpful. Um, so, if it when it is time to kind of make those bigger decisions where I have to be more strategic um, or revamp a, a, my my uh, resume, I have a file that I keep. Uh, running that I write down all of my accomplishments as they happen. So for example, if there's a big big project I worked on and I accomplished the goals or exceeded the metrics, I write that down. and I do that constantly, you know, throughout whatever I'm working on. so when I am when so I can see those specific things that I have accomplished. Um, in my various roles and my responsibilities. And as I'm doing that, that also gives me a sense of accomplishment and Mm -hmm. a sense of confidence that, oh, I'm not faking this. I I really did achieve this and look at all of the work that I, the good work that I have done. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's really has served me very, very well. Um, over the course of my career is just be again, intentional. I feel like hashtag intention is right theme. Um, but you have to be intentional in 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 recording those as they happen. And they may be small or they may be big, but um it's just a tool, again, that I have found really helpful and useful in my career. I'll even have um um, uh, a file in my inbox saved for any mm-hmm. accolades. If anybody has said, Well done, job well done, or this was amazing, this was awesome, because then I that prompts me to go back and, and review oh, what was that that had an impact mm-hmm. on somebody? Well,
2: I like the tool of recording um, big things as they come about because it's so much easier just to do a bullet point list in a Mm note section on your phone or in a document on your desktop than it is to go into your resume every time and say, well, is this resume worthy? And how should I put this in here? You don't have to do that. But then when you do go to update your resume, you've got a quick reference point where you can pull that information out and you can start to see trends of here's my skill sets. These are places where I add a lot of value and impact to the company. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really Mm -hmm. like that tool. And going back to imposter syndrome, you mentioned having a folder in your inbox. And I've always had this as well, where people say, great job on this. Or I just wanted to say, thank you. I put it in there. I love that you're putting it in there for the purpose of your resume, which is way more functional. Mine was more of like a pep talk.
0: Yeah. So, you know,
2: when you're needing to to hear, hey, you belong here, you're doing what you should be doing. Don't give up. When you're needing that pep talk, go into your little... Folder. Peptop of, folder. Exactly. I love that. Your folder of people saying, wow, great work. And yeah. though we shouldn't have to have other people telling us sometimes that's what it takes for yeah. us to remember that um you're you're able to do the work you're doing and you're doing it very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um so um anyway, I think that kind of wraps up because we're gonna talk way more about pivoting. Um, with Carmen, I do want to mention two quotes with you right now, because I know I've gone through a major pivot and we've talked about it here on this, um, podcast, but one resource that has helped me in going, doing the work of deciding like, what's my big next step in my, um, career path is, um, It started as an article. It's called "The Crossroads of Should and Must," and it's by yes, it's by L. Luna, and she then took it into a book because it became this wildly successful and shared um, article. I believe it's on Medium, but internet, don't quote me on that. Um, (laughs) Just buy the book. It's really it's worth it, and it's pretty too. But in this book, there uh, there are two quotes I want to share with you right now. Um, and they're by other people. So Mark Twain, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Oh, I love that. I love that one too. And then the last one, because you know, we're talking about owning your career path mm-hmm. um, and and deciding that for yourself. So this is Joseph Campbell. If you can see your path laid out in front of you step by step, you know, it's not your path, your own path you make with every step you take. That's why it's your path.
0: So true.
2: Yeah. You can't look to someone else for what your no. big career design is. As much as I would love to do that myself, you have to do the work. Yep.
0: There it is. You've got to do the work. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, let's move on over to the interview. Um, we talked with Carmen Moreno Rivera, who is the President of Facilities Management Services in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the largest locally owned janitorial service provider in Kentucky. Carmen has over eighteen years of a unique management experience in areas such as transportation, logistics, aviation, and government. Her broad scope of work includes strategic planning, performance management, continuous improvement, systems design, talent acquisition, and equity inclusion in the workplace. She holds a bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering and a master's in management. Currently, Carmen is pursuing a doctorate of education in leadership. Here's our discussion. Welcome Carmen to the Women Who Work podcast. Thanks for having me. So we're, um, really excited about this conversation around career advancement and particularly looking at how we make pivots. I think that's so relevant right now um, with so many people in the workplace looking at what's next or maybe reevaluating. And, um, but pivoting can be challenging and it can be intimidating. And so you, we know that you have a lot to offer around this topic.
1: Yeah, I think I've <laughs> I've made some pretty big pivots and and jumps across industries. So hopefully, I've got something that uh, that'll help somebody out.
2: So let's talk about those. Um, what is your kind of career story? What are the major professional roles you've played? Okay,
1: uh, so right out of college, I started with UPS and that was UPS in Nashville, Tennessee. So it was on the small package side of the business. So if you think about the brown cars that deliver packages to your homes, that was the operation that I supported. Uh, Went into the industrial engineering department, my background's in aerospace engineering, and worked in in that area for about five years, and then transferred to Louisville where the headquarters of UPS Airlines is. And then I worked there for another 10 years or so um, in the engineering department. Mostly all operations supporting uh, flight, aircraft maintenance, uh, the air region, uh, if you will, all in engineering again, um, did some work in regulatory compliance and safety. Um, just all things UPS, really. Um, and after <laughs> after that 14th peak season, I uh, started thinking that, you know, maybe I I needed to do something else. Um, I wanted to kind of switch from thinking about, you know, my status and the money that I was making to more of, you know, the impact that I wanted to have on my community um, and in, in another industry altogether. And so uh, as I was looking and doing my research, I landed um, on government. I knew that Louisville uh, Metro government had an Office of Performance Improvement and it was all about um, a lot of the process stuff that that I had done at UPS. So um, after you know, going through some interviews and some really intentional planning there, made the jump to government and to that office. Um, went in as a manager uh, which was <laughs> a, a pay cut, That's a yes. significant one. Um, but really uh enjoyed the work. It was a lot of what I'd done, systems thinking, system solution, uh, project management, those types of things. And ten months into that position, um, my boss resigned. And so I skipped director and uh was appointed chief by Mayor Fisher and did that for the last two years of my government career, uh, which included uh, COVID and the social justice movement and those oh, wow. those times around uh, the Breonna Taylor murder and, and all of that. So I did a lot of work in uh, public safety before I left government um, in December of 2020. And then in January of 21, made another pivot um, to facilities, uh, the facilities industry. So I became uh, president of facilities management services, which I am right now. Uh, we're a commercial cleaning company, janitorial service. Uh, all um, here, Kentucky and Southern Indiana. Uh, so Evansville down to Bowling Green over to Lexington. So I've got about 725 employees or so um, spread across all those places. Um, I'm in you know, the daily ops side of things. So uh, support the VPs from HR, to employee relations to uh, hey, we need some chemicals. So all, mm-hmm. all the things. Um, but the cool thing about FMS is that they are certified B corporations. It was the first janitorial service to be a B Corporation in the country and the first public benefit corporation here in Kentucky. So with that, we do have social programming around uh, food justice, around home buyer programs. We won a grant uh, recently to start up a transportation program. Um, for our janitors. So it's a good mix of operations and kind of my government experience. Uh so I kind of consider it a civic sector. So uh done a lot of different things and gone and a lot of places, but you know, it's it's all been good. It's always been an experience and something I've been able to learn from.
2: Yeah. You know, like jumping back, you you said your backgrounds in aerospace engineering. And I mm-hmm. always think of um college degrees especially undergraduate as opportunities to to learn about thinking to learn how to think but there are some fields that are a bit more specialized and it is more about um, that real topic when you were in um, that area what did you envision that you would be doing with your degree in aerospace engineering
1: yeah, so you know, I got into aerospace or chose aerospace, if you will, when I was in high school. Um, got to um fly a flight simulator actually at UPS in Louisville. I'm I'm from Radcliffe, Kentucky. So um went on a field trip and got to see a simulator and thought I want to build those. Which and is so cool. I mean <laughs> that's I've always been kind of a, a techie type person. Um so that was super exciting. And then the more research I did, I, and found out about aerospace as opposed to say electrical engineering Uh, went that way because, you know, I was really fascinated by planes uh, mostly, but as I got into the degree and you know, the last uh, last few years, last few classes are focused on the space portion, and so actually, um, my group's senior project was you know published uh, as in a journal, in an aviation journal. Around um, this is going to sound really nerdy, but it was the thickness of the thermal heat shield on the outside <laughs> of rocket ships. It um, sounds like something exactly. I want to read more on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so doing that research and and but it was very taxing. The degree was very very taxing the way it's set up. Um, you know, we had 30 hours of labs, pretty much our, our last senior year. Um, and that kind of did me in. So um, well, I wanted to take a break and and I did ultimately by going to UPS um from aviation. I always thought that I would end up um not necessarily working on planes, but probably designing. Um, but definitely, you know, even in my career at UPS, uh, working with the aircraft maintenance operation was my favorite
2: by far. Yeah. 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 Cause it really aligned with that passion there for, for, um, airplanes and yeah. You know. yeah. 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 So, and then, you know, even I, I, you know, we've all been in those situations where we, we've been in a career progression with a company for many years and, and you start to say, okay, I gotta, I gotta make a pivot. I gotta, I gotta make a change. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, kind of that step then over to the government seems almost like, well, of course, you know, you were, you were out there to do something totally different, but I'm curious, you know, you, you at that point had this opportunity to say, how do I keep moving up this ladder for career advancement versus I need to move over and do something completely different. I need to pivot. Mm-hmm. So how do um, I guess, how did you navigate that step? And then coming out of doing that twice, really, how do you think we should uh, generally be navigating that step mm-hmm. of, de- of de- determining between the two options? Right.
1: So I think, you know, one, one thing with UPS is they do a really, really awesome job of promoting from within, right? So I was there, 14 years, 15 years and had 12 different jobs throughout the entire company Um, on all different levels. I definitely um, was blessed to have the visibility within the company that I needed to make the decision about whether or not I was going to stay or ultimately leave the company like I did. So I think you know, I I call it kind of your personal disruptor of understanding, you know, when it's time to go. And I think throughout those 14 years, I did have a few times where I was like, this is it, I'm out. Um, But this last time felt different, right? Like, I I think once I recognized that this one felt different, um, then I just got really intentional about making a plan to leave. Um One thing about being there for so long, you know you've got the perks and the bonuses, and you you know you're you're used to financially used to to things uh being a certain way, and so a lot of the planning that I did was more on the tactical side of things and understanding could I take a pay cut um you know, was I even gonna stay in Louisville at the time? Could I move and take another job um and then when you talk about impact, what does that really mean right? I looked at education. Um, for a little while. And then once I shared with my friends, I was thinking about teaching middle school. They they discouraged me from doing that because they all know me and that probably wouldn't have worked. <laughs> so <laughs> um, so once I started looking at at government, it really helped me to sit down and think through the skills that I possessed, the projects that I had done, and trying to start understanding how to translate that and show that it was Um, a skill that could cross over industries, right? So yes, you have the basic ones around communication and, um, you know, managing employees and those different things. But, you know, me explaining to someone that I promised like when I was, you know, supporting these vendors and doing major maintenance on these aircraft, it translates to government, trust me, right? (laughs) So so really um, spending time on actually writing out those projects and then picking through what are those skills around collaboration around solution making around um, getting stakeholder feedback that translated to government. So mm-hmm. I, that I spent I spent quite a bit of time
2: on that. Yeah, you know that that's so interesting because uh, a lot of times especially if you've been in one place for your whole career, your resume is a little outdated. You know, you've not ever put the work in, and it feels quite daunting. And it also feels kind of annoying. Like, I don't want to update my resume, but I have to. Mm -hmm. But I will say, I think that is a really smart practice in discerning those themes and those Mm -hmm. strengths that you've just been working with and not putting a ton of thought into. Because if you're in a company and everyone knows how you work, that um, reputation has continue to propel you forward Mm -hmm. versus now having to communicate with that with someone else. So Mm -hmm. I think the resume work that like you're talking about where you really wrote out the core projects and what were the skills that I utilized, that sometimes can help you determine what those next careers should be for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Right.
1: And I think one thing I recognized, especially, you know, in a couple of the jobs that I had, um, The even the last 1, you know, as a manager, I was an individual contributor, but I was, uh, the person who kind of navigated the domestic and international internal customer service for the airline. And so understanding that idea of stakeholder management of, um understanding the requirements in different situations or being able to um, have solutions be flexible and adaptable to local things, right? So, you know, the solution that works in Louisville may not work in Hong Kong, and I'm going to tell you, it didn't. <laughs> I spent many a <laughs> nights on the phone at two o'clock in the morning um, trying to work through some different things. But once I kind of looked at my jobs at UPS with fresh eyes, then I could take Okay, here's how I can go to government and manage through the stakeholder engagement piece when you've got 27 different departments and agencies that you have to deal with internal kind of Mm -hmm. customer service. And then, of course, with community members, understanding the facilitation, the collaboration, um, being able to pull community into solutions or strategy, depending on what we were doing at the time. Um, but again, it was all about understanding that I did have that experience. I just had to look at it differently and then talk about it differently um, to the folks that I was speaking to. Right. So me, um, I did have to you know, interview with the mayor twice, um, but understanding like, OK, when I'm talking about X and giving an example, hear the common themes that he's really looking for based on you know the research i'd done around what that department had done with the city or or what his expectations were so i did that and then you know did the same exact thing when when i interviewed with facilities management and then that way of course coming from um, the equivalent of c-suite level with the government coming from chief and then going into a president's role being able to translate well, here's how, you know, I'm going to manage through the day-to-day, day-to-day operations of janitorial service versus managing through, you know, day-to-day at, at government, but still on the same level. You're still managing budgets. You're still managing people, um, those types of things. So definitely getting really, really good at telling the same story different ways, which is kind of my catchphrase for my employees. <laughs> um, but doing being able to do that for myself in my experience,
2: I think, has really opened up a lot of doors for me. Yeah. It's, it's harder to do for yourself and your own Mm -hmm. experiences. Um, but once you get that skill down, like you said, it could really can open doors. So you have, um, in this process and you've hinted at it throughout this discussion. Um, but you have two clear questions that you think we should ask ourselves when we're considering a career move. Mm -hmm. What are those questions? One for me, as I said, when I left UPS,
1: was really, really tactical. Those tactical decisions. One is, am I just mad <laughs> or does this make sense for me? Um, that's kind of the overall theme. But the the tactical decisions are really around, just like I said before, is this a financial move? Can I do it if I am asked to take uh, a lesser salary? What does this do to my retirement path? Um What types of skills do I want to make sure that I carry over to my next job? Those types of that type of tactical thinking rather um, to be able to kind of chart out that pathway to make that pivot. Uh, The other one that that I considered when I left government and when I was thinking of leaving government was really more around legacy. Um, It was more around impact and so for that one I really went um values based. And so I did a lot of personal work around um, you know, clarifying my values, understanding, you know, if I have a personal mission statement, then what is it? Um, but then also connecting those to how I want it to show up in my life. And so, you know, my my number one core value is helpfulness. Um so for an engineer, that's really easy for it to show up because I'm always looking for solutions. Um, But I also wanted that to mean something different, right? Because helpfulness at a for-profit company looks different than helpfulness at government or a nonprofit company. And so I think being able to connect that to the work that I do at FMS around, like, yes, we have to make a profit, but that profit goes directly back to our people. In the form of subsidizing the fresh food programs and those types of things. Um, I've got another core value around openness. And so, you know, all about learning different things and also being transparent with my people. Um, you know, another ones around creativity and and definitely uh, when I got the job, they wanted me to come in and be creative and, and put fresh eyes on this company that needed different systems and processes. So um, being able to make sure that those value, values show up in my day-to-day job was really important this time. And then, like I said, the impact piece of, you know, janitorial service being a social, um, be corporation with a social mission and that we follow that social mission and we operationalize it with our people. Um, it was just a really good fit for me uh, to make that move.
2: Yeah, so legacy and values and then the other side of the coin which is equally as important is that tactical can I make this work what do I need from the job right. <laughs> because it is a job <laughs> it is still work Um, yeah I think that's really useful because it's easy to get hung up on one or the other and it's important to remember they're both there mm-hmm. um, yeah kind yeah. of check yourself
1: yeah and I think too it's important to Go back to that, right? So mm-hmm. I, I do a lot of, you know, kind of pulse check on mm-hmm. myself, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, right? making sure that um, those things are there. I'm, I, I've done a lot of work with, you know, my own self awareness and and those types of things, and understanding when I feel like I'm off, if my balance is off, if something isn't showing up the way I need it to, and then understanding how I get back into alignment, um, because a lot of times that. You know, the the older I get, my values are what's guiding me, that impact, you know, the the Mm -hmm. chase for that impact is what's guiding me. And if I don't feel that that's there, then that's when the the true um, problem solving, if you will, begins, because I need to understand what I need to do to get that back. If it was there before, then can I get it back?
2: Yeah, yeah. So along the path of um you know taking on new roles and moving from company to company, even moving up in in a company, um networking is a really important piece of that. And I know you believe in strategic networking and that mm-hmm. per- and personal branding, but you know st- strategic networking. So if you could tell us what that is, what is it mm-hmm. and how should we utilize it?
1: Mm hmm. Uh, So strategic networking for me um, is kind of something that I do because I am an introvert to my core. Um, Networking has never been my thing. Uh, So the idea of, you know, just showing up at something and shaking hands and giving out cards is just that just is my thing. So um, what I really focused on, say, leaving UPS, for example, again, in the company, global company, but still in UPS and and having to branch out into the city and, and kind of start meeting new people and new industries. Um, I actually made a project plan after doing some research to understand well, what I wanted to go to, what events I wanted to go to, who I wanted to meet, what organizations they needed to be from. So I actually did a lot of research first and then made a project plan with dates and tasks and locations and, and all of that to understand what that plan would be. And then, you know, once I got into government, that kind of pushed me into the networking spotlight because that was my job. um I, you know, my scope was the city um from a, a strategy standpoint. And so as I was doing that though, um, We're also in a lot of national networks from a government perspective. And so what I really had to um, hone in on is understanding what networks were going to help me with whatever I was trying to do at the time. I wasn't necessarily trying to get my personal brand out there, but I was trying to do a lot around say accountability and performance management, right. Or data or something like that. And so then that became the theme of my networking plan, if you will. And so, you know, I'm, my first step is always Google. <laughs> I'm going to yes, find a network. Our best
2: friend. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> I'm going to find a network to plug into and then, and then go from there. So um because I am so intentional about it, I do that so that I don't wear myself out. Um, right. So that I don't expend all that energy, you know, in this women's group or this data group or this over here and this over here, and then not feel like um, it was beneficial either in that I just felt good meeting new people or it helped me draft a solution that I was looking for or I was able to connect. Um, other folks together for a solution. Right. So um, for me, that's the strategic piece is, um, you know, not necessarily out there. It's it's fun for me to make new friends and new contacts yeah. and all that because I do that, too. Um, but I'm always thinking of. You know, kind of the progress piece of it. And if I'm working on a project, how do I progress that project? You know, the if it's the transportation program we're starting at FMS. You know, how do I go out here as I'm making this connection and say, hey, there's a, prog- a program I need to tell you about that I think you can help us with, right? Yeah. Um, so that's that's what I mean by strategic networking. Networking, and then also understanding from a personal standpoint, um, if I am you know, trying to be helpful to someone or um I'm just trying to understand or, or expand my own network right in the city, especially. Um, just really kind of thinking through and then even afterwards, sometimes I'll write notes or if I took somebody's business card, I'll immediately write down the event and the date where I met them um and try to, you know, shoot that email or make that LinkedIn connection or whatever afterwards. And so um just just kind of honing in on being intentional about the networking has really helped me throughout my career as well.
2: Yeah. What well, makes sense, you know, networking is intimidating for for most people. Um, you know, except you're, not, you're natural extroverts who just love a good social event and right. <laughs> love meeting new people and um but I think, you know, what you've illustrated is that um if you can put some real strategic um direction around it or, Mm -hmm. and, and kind of mark out like purpose behind it. It does make it a little bit um, simpler for, for those of us who might not be as interested in doing the networking (laughs) work, but know that it's important and knowing that we have to make those connections and, and will enjoy making those connections. But if it can have um, intention and and purpose behind it, it seems like it might be a little bit easier. Is that, was that your experience that it's like, it's easier to go introduce mm-hmm. myself to this person if I have a reason to do so. Mm-hmm. It was, it was. And I don't want to make it seem um, superficial, if
1: you will, right. <laughs> like, right. Right? like I'm forcing myself to do this. But what that does for me personally is it takes the anxiety out of what I'm doing. I don't dread it, mm-hmm. um, different things of, of that nature. and And I think, too, when you're intentional about things like that, you end up learning more than what you set out for. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, the, I think one of the last things that I, that I went to um, was a, it was a last minute thing, right? My, my sales manager couldn't make uh, an event. So I was like, well, I'll pop up, okay, you know, kind of threw on my polo and, and took off and ended up meeting someone who was like, hey, I want to work with you on some DEI initiatives. And here's my card. And oh, by the way, I do marketing and I want to help with this. And I, right. And so, even though that was not my intention, I was there to you know find some janitorial contracts, <laughs> um, but even though that wasn't my intention to intentionally show up right mm-hmm. um, and have those conversations, you know what I'm saying, so even being in the mindset of being intentional, and this is I went for this one thing, and yes, I talked to people as as president of f m s but now, as I'm talking to this gentleman who mentioned one thing around um some some uh, diversity training that he wanted to do. I'm like, oh, hey, I'm in school for that. Like, I'm getting my doctorate and that's been my research. And then, you know, we start talking and then that opened up more opportunities that either I could take advantage of or I could connect him to someone else. So I think just setting the intention of something like that um, automatically kind of opens up your energy to be able to accept some different things that that may come your way, regardless of your initial intention.
2: Yeah. So um, taking a shift here, what are the challenges that you, what's a challenge? I mean, I, I think as women in the workplace, we probably face many, but what is one challenge that you see women facing and how would you suggest we work past that challenge? Um, I think kind
1: of a theme throughout my career Um, has one been you know every every place I'm at is male dominated right Um, Mm -hmm. and in my case white male dominated especially when you talk about aviation and um, some different spaces like that but so so I think the the frustration around like the fact that the glass ceiling is still there Mm. um, and the frustration around you know not having those male leaders step up enough to help you break it. Um, I was very, very fortunate uh, at UPS to have a couple of leaders, male leaders, who pulled me into the room when I wasn't invited um, or who made sure that my name was included in the conversation if I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And I did not ask them to do that. They just became sponsors and mentors um, on their own. They took it upon themselves to do that. Um, there's not nearly enough people that do that, um, men or women for women. And so I think it, there's, there's kind of two sides to that. One, it's like you get frustrated because you can't, you know, find someone or or something like that. But then, two, um, being able to step out there and ask. I think the first time I asked somebody to mentor me, I it was a, a woman uh, at UPS, and I asked her to mentor me, and she just kind of looked at me like, Oh, I think you're doing fine. <laughs> right? It wasn't it wasn't an automatic offer to like yes, of course I'll do that. It was oh, I, th- I think you're doing fine. Like you're you're having a good career here. Um and just, just the point of what I was trying to do. Um and so there's that piece. There's that push pull. One is is as a a woman uh leader coming up through it through an organization and trying to find that that mentorship and that sponsorship especially if it's if it's from um a man and having them accept it and um not be scared right not like mm-hmm. you're not you're not going to break me you're not going to hurt my feelings if you give me feedback right but just stepping into that space and recognizing the power that they have in some of these organizations to open doors for women um and but then also as women leaders like we <laughs> Like it's okay for us to mentor other women. It's it. Mm-hmm. That's been a that's been a weird phenomenon for me. That this is not uh, a zero sum game. Yeah. It's not a it's not a either or thing. It's it's mm-hmm. really, really weird. But I think, you know, as women leaders, um wanting to be that mentor and and not letting the the um tag of being busy, right? I, I hear that a lot. Um mm. It, you know right it's like oh i know you're busy but i was just wondering like I, i'm not too busy to mentor somebody um because you know i was fortunate enough to have mentors when i was coming up uh i got past the one that said no somebody else yes, it's fine <laughs> <laughs> but, but um but i think that's still a real thing you know and and i think it's almost like we took a step backwards because of covid mm-hmm. um those building those relationships kind of went away and some of those programs like intentional programs at different organizations went away um and so it's in some places you feel like you're starting from scratch and I, I think that's a real frustration that hopefully once we break through it next time we won't we won't have a step back um but it's it's definitely still a real thing that that mentorship and that sponsor sponsorship and not having leaders be open to um using their their power and their
2: status to to help someone else, yeah, break through that like you said how how in the world is that glass ceiling still there? right, exactly. it's absolutely ridiculous, yeah, so as we're closing today, um, what do you think that every woman should have in her tote bag? Um, I'm gonna go with reflection, oh say the more about power, that
1: yeah the power and the time for reflection is so important um this has been something that i've been like <laughs> doing a drum beat on in in different talks that i've done because what i found is um that's been the one thing to help me throughout my career in all organizations so you know whether it was at ups when um I had to to speak up for myself to take a position. I actually had to stop and reflect. I was like, is this what you want to do? Are you absolutely right. certain you're going to go against your bosses and, and fight for this other position? And I, you know, I did and it worked. And I was one of one of the more enjoyable enjoyable positions that I had, um, whether it was with government and being fully transparent about how I was feeling, um, working, you know, seeing your most black person or Black woman, rather, um, on a staff in a city where a woman was killed by the police, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and being very, very open about what I was feeling and how I was being impacted doing that work um, to right now at the company I'm at and and being able to pause and reflect and make sure that, you know, my heart's still in it some days. Um unfortunately, janitorial service is is one of those things. It's really thankless job. Yes. It is. <laughs> and when I hear from customers, it's normally not because they're happy. Um, and and that definitely takes a toll on you. So I, I think being able to pause and reflect and be like, hey guys, I am working from home today or I'm taking a day off. Um, I'm leaving my computer at work, you know, just whatever it is being able to uh take that time to reflect, to check in with myself, to understand whether it's where my emotions are, or from a larger standpoint of, am I going to, you know, make a career change? I think that that time to reflect, that pausing to reflect is super, super important to just make it a regular habit.
2: Thank you for sharing that. I think, you know, especially hearing from someone um, as successful as you and, uh, you know, president of a company who can give us permission to say time out <laughs> let me spend some time in reflection or let me give myself a day to right break and pause yes. and and be tired and reflect so yes. um thank you for thank you for that and thank you for your time today so much amazing content so many amazing things that you shared that i know i took notes on um i know mandy uh, we'll be taking notes on as well. And um, you give us a lot to work with. So thank you very much.
1: Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it.
0: Carmen, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your time with us. I I always say this, but I have a ton of notes and hopefully <laughs> the listeners will too, because there were a lot of good things in there. Um, but I I do have to say there were definitely a lot for me to pull away, but the most I, I thought that was interesting, the biggest takeaway was how intentional Carmen was about pivoting her career. And she really gave herself not only the time, but permission to, evaluate her passions, her skills and really took into consideration her legacy and what kind of impact that she wanted to have for the remainder of her career. Yeah. She's going to keep doing that I think.
2: You know, just Absolutely. really keeping intentional and and keep going forward. You can see that's that is who she is. So I thought it was a really amazing um amazing interview that we got from her. So thank you. All right, as we shift here we go. One thing to try. Um, we each episode we want to give you something that you can do in the next seven days, but definitely within the next month before you listen to the next episode. One thing to try out is this time do one intentional thing to build your network. Think about all the tips from Carmen there, um, but do something intentionally to build your network. All right, Mandy, what? you got in that bag.
0: Okay, Stephanie. So this is something that I have started religiously bringing along with me on trips or any sort of extended time away is the luxury of a portable charger. Because how many times have we all been caught with a dead phone, no charger or no place to charge your phone? Um, So now that, you know, holidays are just right around the corner. We're going to be traveling. We're going to be taking lots of pictures that our videos that just totally zap that battery. So a portable charger is what is going with me in my holiday bag. I love that so much. I mean, we couldn't,
2: I feel like we couldn't live with that one now. And before, I don't know what I did, but they're so accessible now. Like the really big meaty
0: ones where they actually have a lot of charging power. <laughs> yeah they're needed. Yeah. It's not yeah. unusual to see other people with them too. I see them now all the time. And I just, and I laugh because I'm like, yep, I've been I there mine too. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's a
2: good one. If you don't have one, go on to Amazon, get that in your bag, be prepared this holiday season, um, build your network and get your portable charger out. <laughs> Easy peasy. Yes. Thanks for joining us today. Be a part of the conversation and connect with us on Instagram at lead.
0: Also show us some appreciation for this podcast, please. This is how we grow and expand uh, the podcast to more and more women who work. So make sure to subscribe, rate and review this podcast and share this with your own work BFF.
2: Thanks for tuning in. Join us next time for another women who work conversation.